Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. I finally talked with my staff about the allocation reduction. It's never easy. It was important for me to model for Jeannie, our assistant principal, how to communicate empathetically and clearly. At the last second, I thought about telling all of them together. My thinking was, one, it would save time, and two, it would minimize emotional responses from any of the teachers. It turned out to be an effective strategy. I worked to be both empathetic and clear. It's a strategy I've been working on to develop over the years. I could tell that the four subs were disappointed, but with our very low numbers, they saw it coming. I'm working to take care of Sherelle because she'd been given misinformation by someone in the county. I then met with staff and spelled out the fine details in a PowerPoint presentation. I was proud of myself for having it so well organized. While there weren't many questions during the meetings, folks were lined up at Daddy's office afterwards. Some came, as expected, to advocate for why they cannot be expected to change grade levels. And I told Jeannie this would happen. They're going to come in with doctor's notes and stroke medicine and every reason under the sun why they can't teach another grade level. Another interesting dynamic is the notion that seniority is not a factor as it relates to internal moves within the school. This seemed to shock the hell out of Michael Brown, who came by with Mrs. Sampras and Mr. Walker mentioning Walker's name every time he talked about moving grade levels. He turned white as a ghost upon hearing that his senior status on the staff is not a consideration. I have to take a look at the strength of each team. I need to look at keeping teams at optimal strength, which may require that I insert a veteran teacher from one team to another. These are tough internal moves and decisions coming over the next few days. I'm looking forward to rising to that challenge. Hey, listen, I have revamped my 
professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site. Go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. It reminds me of, it reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of of nothing, nothing. And I got 950,000, 1,100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. Oh, baby, let's get into it. There's so much here. I've changed the title of this podcast three different times already. My first thought was, hey, make a choice. What's best for kids or adult comfort? You know? I thought about that. Then I thought about, hey, it's this uh, quote that I like to use that I created. Um, What's best for kids comes first. What's best for adults comes second. It's a close second, but a clear second. And then I landed on the actual title. It's mission, never personal. Right. And that's a that's a play on words for a very popular quote. Hey, it's business, never personal. When, you know, leaders are you know, find themselves having to make tough choices and, you know, it's kind of pretty cut and dry and about whatever it is, the numbers or the bottom line or whatever it is. And sometimes, well, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because it really, really humanizes me. One of the things I enjoy about mentors I have is the best ones have always given me a peek into their journey. It's always dangerous when we're looking at people as finished products, like as they are today. And I know, you know, I'm not a finished product. I'm never going to be a finished product. I'm further along today than I was when I was a principal. But this takes me back and, and just reinforces that um, 
it just confirms that I, you know, I had some things right. It's one of those episodes where I had some shit right. I did. Now, the very humanizing part is this. I, at my core, am a people person and a people pleaser. Um, and I've, I've said it several times throughout the years that the muscle of making tough decisions, which is what leaders have to do. I remember Bill Walsh, legendary coach of the 49ers, said that leaders have to make tough decisions. And they do. I had to develop that muscle. And early on in developing that muscle, it came um, at, um, you know, I guess I would say like an evolution of expenses. You know, I was worried about my approval rating and if people liked me. And I thought if I, you know, if I fixed everything up front, then the adults would just do everything I asked and blah, 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 blah. I also got to a point, especially when I had to confront behaviors where I would kind of talk to myself and say, well, if she's bold enough to do that shit, I'm going to be bold enough to confront it. But you know what it really, where I really turned the corner? I really turned the corner with mission. And I just finished a phone, uh, a Zoom call, uh, kind of, I guess, an impromptu webinar, talking with uh, <clears throat> a leadership team from, I think it's Sullivan Middle School in South Carolina. And one of the things I mentioned was, for a profession that requires every school and every district to have a mission statement, we are the least mission-driven profession there is. Now, I'm talking about as an organization. I'm not talking about as individual teachers and leaders. I know we each have a mission that hopefully gets us out of bed every day. But in terms of our organizations, we are not mission-driven. Because I've said it 100 times and I'll say it again. Mission is about plan A and plan A only. And school systems provide plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. If you've got a hangnail on your left toe, we've got an excuse there. We provide nothing but ailments. And mission is about putting your back to the wall and having one way out, right? One way out. One way out that inspires you, that gets you out of bed, that challenges you, that keeps you on your on the edge. And for me, what mission did is that it sat at the center of everything I did. Listen, I come from a family of signifiers, baby. You know what I'm talking about when I say signify? That's a, that's a word, that's a lost art. Like you go back to cats like Richard Pryor, you know, legends in comedy that I love, Don Rickles. You know, Richard Pryor had routines, and so did Don Rickles, but a lot of times those casters come on the stage, man, look in the audience and just start talking about you, just signifying. That's what it's called in the hood. It's called signifying. So I'm not saying, I say that to say, I love my staff, but sometimes folk got on my nerves. I'm sure I got on their damn nerves too. They got on my nerves, got under my skin sometimes. But the fact that I kept mission at the center of everything we did, it helped mitigate me making uh, choices based on my ego versus what was best for kids. And that I love. So I ask you this question, you know, I make this statement. Every move you do, every move sends a message. Every move sends a message. So let's take some of the stuff that happened in this uh, episode in order. You notice that I said, I think three different times in the journal entry, that my goal was to communicate with empathy and clarity. Empathy and clarity. I know where you are. I know how you're feeling. My heart goes out to you, but let's be clear about what's happening next. Guess what you don't hear in there? pity and pity pervades our profession now intellectually i didn't realize that then 
but I know that's why I emphasize empathy with clarity, not sympathy, right? Empathy with clarity. And I wanted to be a bit efficient, so I made the announcement, you know, with the entire staff and then took individual meetings. For those of you who are principals and listening to this, whether you've got an assistant principal or a dean or, you know, burgeoning teacher leaders, you're modeling for them as well. And as much as my assistant principal brought to the table just in her raw talent and, you know, her study of the craft, I was still there to model for her because she was an aspiring principal. So I made sure to model that, how to be both empathetic and clear. No pity, none. I also consider myself a uh, student of the human condition. I just, uh, I can... I can see steps ahead about how people are going to respond to stuff. And I just knew what was coming next because I'd taken over a very typical adult comfort first culture. Now, I want to say again, while I've learned how to confront, while I keep mission at the center of the table, my classroom is my staff and I want to spoil the hell out of them and I want to treat them well. And I want to give them everything they need and some of what they want. But what I made clear from day one is this. What's best for kids comes first. What's best for adults comes second. It's a close second, but a clear second. So when you have this like allocation reduction, of course, it's going to it's going to create some chaos, some change, some things that have to happen. And too often I find leaders are just trying to kind of plug holes in the wall just to keep you know the water from spilling out. And our moves are often made out of uh, desperation and might I say convenience. Because as I read that journal entry, those meetings came rushing back. I can hear, you heard me stumble over the names. You know, I usually go in and replace the names first, but I'm making shit up as I read along, Mr. Brown. Anyway. I, I can remember these meetings where from the depths of their souls, I had these trained, licensed, degreed professionals telling me they can't change grade levels, like cannot. I mean, I joked about it, talking about bringing stroke medicine in the damn meeting and, and doctor's notes and shit, but that's real. That's real. And how are you going to respond to that? I can tell you what's going to keep your approval rating where it is, is to kowtow, is to acquiesce and base your primary decisions on adult comfort. Now, after I figured out what was best for kids, if there was room for some adult comfort compromises that did not sabotage or impede our mission, I'm all for it. I have no problem doing stuff like that, but nothing was going to start with adult comfort first. And that's a challenge for leadership because we have a special kind of clientele. Our primary clientele are children and they don't have recourse. They can talk about you doing a shitty job. They can talk about feeling cheated, but they don't have the maturity to do that, nor do they have the cachet. So again, Everyone's not wired for school leadership. Everyone's not wired because leadership is a visionary position. You have to have an extra leadership in schools requires an extra layer of moral imperative because the checks and balances aren't as strong. In other words, maybe not as strong, 
that's the wrong word. Maybe not as like immediate, right? If I go to if I go to Target or Walmart and I get mistreated, I have immediate recourse. I have immediate recourse. You know, I have a consulting business. If I do a terrible job, if I don't deliver on the outcomes, if 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 I don't deliver on what was promised, there's immediate recourse. You know, people are gonna leave me bad reviews. The word of mouth is gonna travel. Word of mouth about bad stuff travels ten times faster than word of mouth about positive experiences. There's immediate recourse. But with kids, kids typically have to cope. And we can get away with shit. And so as the leader, I had to protect that. So when I started getting all of the seniority stuff, and you know what? I know all those years ago, my ego got in the way because I was just like fucking offended. I was offended immediately. Now, if I were to do it over again with what I know now, my the results would still be the same but I wouldn't be as offended on the front end because this was the culture. How can I blame them? This was the culture. This was the culture of our school that, hey, we're gonna make moves and whoever's liked most and is, and, you know, is re- regarded best by whoever's making the decisions is going to probably have their first choice of what's happening. I mean, you, you listen to this podcast long enough, you know that when I got there, five people were running the school and none of them were uh, assistant principal or principal. And when that teacher came to me about seniority and he was definitely a senior staff member, he was dead serious. He was dead serious about seniority driving my decisions. But you see, I don't I don't do pity. I do power. I'm not like I'm I'm in that one percent and I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. This is why I can talk about what I talk about with such confidence and conviction. I'm in that 1%. I never thought for a fucking day that our kids' demographics were the most important factors in our school either moving forward or being held back. Never. Not one day. And I'm proud to say as a teacher, I have never ability grouped kids in my life. I found ability grouping, the notion of it, an insult to my training, to my intelligence. So the idea that I've got to, I got to move chairs around on a Titanic, right? I've got to create this chaos like four weeks into the second year. And you think it's going to be based on, I'm going to start with who's been here longest and who's like most? Shit. No, no. I had to rearrange some teams and make sure I had strength on each team as much as possible because that's what is best for kids. Every move sends a message every move sends a message and what my staff needed to hear that i wasn't it wasn't as front of mind then as it is now like i'm writing a book and i I know pity is is such a part of our field that this is what i would hammer home all those years ago the answers are in the room for me to move staff around based on folks comfort levels and great levels they didn't want to change and who was senior on our staff completely negates completely removes them from the primary influences on why kids learn completely that would be me acquiescing to well we 95% free and reduced lunch and you know we 95% poverty and we title one and poor shit and blah all the bullshit all the stuff that's real 
that we give way too much weight to. There was no way I was doing that. There was no way I was doing this. And so even at this point in my career, I was able to make those tough decisions because I kept mission at the center of what we did. Mission informed every decision I made. And when I was, when I drifted from mission, it had impact. But by and large, it helped me depersonalize decision-making because I talked about signifying because it was nothing for me to, when people leave my office, I wanted to talk about their asses sometimes, getting on my damn nerves, pains in the asses sometimes. But I didn't let that influence me as much as mission. And our mission was every child every day. We are high performing in spirit today and in results tomorrow. And thirdly, the answers are in this room. Not outside in our communities, not in drug infested alleys, not Section 8 housing, not subsidized housing, not in the trailer park, not in the apartment complex, not in our kids' neighborhoods, not in our parents' incomes. The answers are in the room. I knew intuitively then and I know with conviction now that you're not going to have me stand in front of a room full of degreed professionals. And if there are 50 teachers in a room, that's got to be damn nine, ten million dollars worth of damn degrees. And you want me to focus on a kid's apartment complex, please. And so all these years later, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of myself because I let mission drive the day. It wasn't my own personal sense of justice. It wasn't personal against Mr. Brown, who happened to be a pain in the ass. It was. We got changes coming. And my priority is to take the talent we have and create the best teams possible to bring out the brilliance in our students by leveraging the brilliance of staff. What's best for kids comes first. What's best for adults comes second. It's a close second, but a clear second. If you're not led by the shared mission, this work is a challenge. Because those gremlins get in your ear. Sometimes shit gets personal. It becomes about ego. Mission made leadership somewhat of a game. I don't mean that in a frivolous way. I just mean like I'm at one end of the football field and I see the other end and my job is to get to the other end knowing there are going to be obstacles and gauntlets and you know impediments along the way and there are going to be opportunities to accelerate my journey across the field. Mission was the gift. And so I ask you a few questions. Are you aware that every move sends a message? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Does mission sit at the center of everything you do? And I'm talking about your personal mission. This was our shared mission. So when I made these decisions and then explained them and explained why, and all the teachers were talking about they can't change grade levels, I was just, I would just pull out their certification. I was like, you are certified grades three through five. You certified grades one through eight. What do you mean you can't change grade levels? This is a profession. But this was also during a time um, 
when, and we're experiencing it somewhat now in some areas, there wasn't a teacher shortage nationally as there is now. There was a teacher shortage in my district because we were the gum on the bottom of the shoe. So we were the last district, we were the last place that anybody wanted to go. And sometimes teachers would try to leverage that shit and uh, use it like, uh, you know, I don't change grade levels. I don't. I teach third grade. I don't teach fifth grade. And uh, if you move me to fifth grade, I'm going to have to leave. Almost like uh, you're going to be stuck. Well, you got to be willing to lose. You got to be willing to lose. I learned very quickly that making hasty choices, t- uh, uh, hiring or keeping people past their usefulness when they're not aligned with the mission is more pain in the ass than taking a barely certified long-term sub off the street. And that's no insult to pedagogy. I'm just talking about building culture. And so I challenged them. There was no question about it. I moved them. Some left. Some stayed and got over it. But I explained the why. And it was all in the context of mission. You were not going to pull that trump card on me talking about you can't teach. That's all pity shit. That's all pity. And it's happening today. We have a national teacher shortage and principals are afraid to pull the trigger, afraid to make tough decisions for fear of losing some teachers. And oftentimes it's the teachers that are helping to drag your culture down. Lose them. Lose them. Trust yourself and trust your gut. Trust that you can help shape the culture that will produce more of the teachers and staff you need to move the mission forward. Do me a favor and share this podcast with someone, please. I mean, it's just kind of a word of mouth thing. But um, share it with someone. Forward it to someone. Remember to start with the crown, not with the kid. If you're interested in partnering with me for professional learning, reach out. Information in the notes below. I bring it. Your folks will be engaged from moment one to moment end. And I can assure you that I'm going to shift some paradigms and give you a path to transformative success. Start with the crown, not with the kid. And may the bridges I burn light the way. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit RuthlessEquity.com.